everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. This is a very inspiring episode this week. It is with the Olympic rower Helen Glover MBE. So this story is incredible. After winning gold in Rio in 2016, Helen decided to hang up her oars, step away from rowing and start a family. She had three children, but the COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdown brought on a change in perspective. And despite not having stepped foot in a boat since Rio, so that would be four years, Helen decided to take a shot at a third Olympic at Tokyo. And what happens is incredible. You are going to love this story. I love this conversation and I personally found it really inspiring, not because I want to start rowing or because I want to be an elite sportswoman on any level. I'm not sure my body is designed for that. But because this episode is really about taking our dreams very seriously as mothers, I think that's something we don't do enough. And it's being really intentional about the trade-offs we're willing to make for the big things that we want to do in life. I also ask Helen at the end, what's harder, training for the Olympics or parenting? And I think her answer will surprise you. I hope you love the episode. Here it is. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Gimondo. I don't know about you, but between the girls' work and the domestic load, finding time to exercise is not easy. I also personally find gyms a bit intimidating and they don't work for everyone. So if gyms aren't your cup of tea, join the growing list of people cancelling their gym memberships in favour of working out at home with Jamondo. Jamondo is an online fitness and wellbeing platform with hundreds of 20 to 30 minute workouts and training programs ranging from HIIT and yoga to dance and meditation, plus over a thousand healthy recipes. So aside from the freedom and flexibility Jimondo offers, exercising at home is fun, it saves you money, it fits perfectly into your life and it helps you stick to your fitness goals. So start a 14-day free trial and save 50% on your annual membership by visiting jimondo.com. That's G-Y-M-O-N-D-O.com and entering the code MOTHERKIND. On to the episode. Oh, Helen, I am so excited to chat to you this morning. I've been following your journey. You are just such an inspiration for millions of mums. Not because I want to take up Olympic rowing, but I think because what you've really inspired me to think about is just taking our dreams and my dreams really seriously as a mother and making motherhood or enabling motherhood to be an inspiration and a driving force for doing more, not less. I cannot wait to dive into chatting to you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. And yeah, that was a big part of why I guess, well, it wasn't why I kind of got back into rowing after having the kids, but it definitely became a massive thing for me was that I had such amazing support from other mums. So tell us then a little bit about 
how you came to that decision because we're in lockdown. Most mums I know, me included, and your twins and my youngest are the same age. So I know how I was coping back then, which was not very well. I was trying to work. I actually couldn't do homeschooling. It was too much. So I was just trying to get through the days. From the outside, it looks like you were thriving through that time and getting on with your fitness and making that decision to try the Olympics again. I'm sure that isn't how it felt. So tell us what that lockdown period was like for you. Because your little twins would have been about four or five months, wouldn't they, when we went into lockdown? They were younger than that. They were about six, seven weeks when we went into lockdown. So basically, I guess it seems mad when I look back on it. But I think to understand it, you have to kind of understand the whole context of what rowing was for me, I guess. So in 2012, I won Team GB's first gold. In Rio, I won another gold. And then I left the sport. And leaving the sport was a big thing for me. You know, it had been my career, my passion. And then I started a family and having Logan in 2018 just gave me this total sense of peace and more complete than I ever could have felt from winning an Olympic gold. And I never, ever thought I would go back to rowing. I had retired. I was happy. I was so proud of my career. I then had the twins in 2020, just after the new year. And I remember getting excited to think, oh, I'm going to sit there breastfeeding on the sofa, watching my friends competing in Tokyo. It's supposed to be that summer. And so when lockdown hit, it was so far from my mind. I hadn't sat in a boat for four years and I just had these two newborn babies. But when I started to get back into fitness after they were kind of, you know, settled and sleeping a bit and things like that, I got into the rowing machine and I, I felt like me. I felt like me, whether it was 20 minutes, whether it was half an hour. And then I was mom and feeding and trying to play with my toddler and trying to battle the guilt of, you know, of trying to juggle the three of them. And so in that moment, I kept feeling more and more like me. And then something started to actually really annoy me. And it's that no woman had come back into rowing after having children before. And it started to grate me. And I thought, why has this not happened? Well, actually, it's massively practical. It's because you can't leave your children like that. Like, you know, when they're this little, you, or you don't want to a lot of the time. And I saw this massive opportunity spring up ahead of me. I have one year in lockdown to train from my living room. And could I be the first woman to do it with kids? And it was too inviting. And then suddenly this massive surge of support from all the other mums just made me think, yeah, I look at the other mums and I'm empowered by them. I look at my little girl who's a month or two old and I think, I want to physically show you what you can do. And it doesn't have to be rowing, but I want to show you what you could do. It's just unbelievable. I got goosebumps when you said, could this be an opportunity? And at that point, when you made the decision, were you thinking through the logistics and how it would happen? Because I can only imagine what goes in to training for the Olympics. And as you said, you know, time as mothers, particularly of three little ones like you were, is our most precious commodity. Did you have to consider those logistics? Like, is this logistically possible? Or did you believe that your passion and your desire to be that huge inspiration would just make it happen? I wasn't thinking through anything. <laughs> I, I honestly, <laughs> I'd love to think that I had you know, thought through a grand plan, but I didn't expect to get there. I didn't expect to get on the plane to Tokyo. Honestly, when I first started, I just thought it's a lovely daydream. You know, if I'm still going in a week's time, great. And I set myself three rules. I said, if the kids are happy, if I'm still improving and if I'm still enjoying it, then I'll just keep going another week. 
and week by week I checked in on all those things and those things stayed true and suddenly I'm selected for the team and suddenly I'm on the plane to Tokyo and it was I didn't think that I would get there but I think not having a plan helped not having expectations of what I'm going to get done that day it meant I could always put the children first I would stop sessions halfway through if they woke up and needed a feed I would plan my day around them and for the first time in my life rowing came a distant second to something and it was a really nice it was a refreshing change actually I think there's such a powerful insight for everyone listening about having a dream And what is so inspiring is the dream was massive, as you said, you know, no one had done it before. And yet I can really hear that you just were almost taking it one day at a time. You set up some parameters with those three rules and then you were just taking it one step at a time. And it's a little bit like me, not a little bit like me. I am so far on the Olympics, but... When I started this podcast, I said to myself, I'm just going to do six episodes. And now I'm four years in and we're nearly 200 episodes. So I can see how I think there's a powerful insight for people listening that when you have a dream, so often the logistics and that negative thinking and the what ifs can get in the way, can't it? Did you experience any negative talk? What was your inner dialogue like as you were going through the process? I could talk about like the inner dialogue, self-talk all day, because I think it's such a powerful thing. And it's something that I've learned to develop better within myself through being an athlete. But I think everyone can always practice because you wake up. I mean, I say you wake up, you've kind of been awake all night with feeding and little ones and you kind of stumble out of bed and it's your self-talk that makes you make the decisions to start your day and how you're going to start your day. And so I think that internal dialogue is really important. I think it's also really important to not look at anybody's story or what anybody is doing and tell yourself they're finding it easy. Because for me, every day, although there were highs and I would pat myself on the back for getting a training session done, there were also massive lows where I thought, what am I doing? And why am I doing this? And I thought about quitting. And then I did quit. And then the next day I was back on the rowing machine. It was a roller coaster, you know, it was, it was a real roller coaster. And something that I think can't be ignored is the importance of having great people around you. And, you know, the support of Steve, my husband and my mom and people who were just this little bubble, you know, literally at the time, a little bubble, you know, we were me, Steve and the kids at home. But having people around you who just will support your goal, and like you say, it doesn't matter what your goal is. And it doesn't have to be like a really massive practical support at the time. They don't have to be doing anything, but just knowing that someone says, yeah, keep going, just try. It's a nice feeling and it definitely helps your own inner dialogue. I want to talk a bit more about this inner dialogue because I think this is something that I see is a real blocker, particularly for mothers when we want to do something. Maybe it's quit that absolutely soul-destroying corporate job and start our own business. Or maybe it's going back to work when someone hasn't worked for 10 years because they've been busy raising their children. I really notice that it is that negative self-talk. I can't do this. Who are you to do this? It's not possible. I'm too tired. What do you do when those voices come in? What have you learned? Because I imagine you have spent a lot of time unpacking this, working on this. Can you share some of that wisdom? Yeah, totally. So it's one of the most important things we do. And most of my rowing career for the London Olympics and the Rio Olympics, I rode with a girl called Heather. And I sit behind Heather. And so I do the calls. I talk to her throughout training, throughout racing. She is sick of the sound of my voice, but I do all the calls and all the talking in the boat. And when I am hurting in the middle of a race in massive pain, 
I tell myself all the things you'd expect. You're weak. You can't finish. You're not strong. And to counteract that, what I do is I say, what would I say to Heather? And to Heather, I'd say, you're the best row in the world. You're so strong. You've done the training. I believe in you. I would say those things to her. So why aren't I that kind to myself? Essentially, it's how would you talk to your best friend? How would you talk to somebody who you want the best for? And turn that around and talk to yourself like that would be my best advice. Yeah, I do exactly the same. What would I say to a friend that I cared about in this same situation? Have you noticed that inner dialogue changed over the years since you've been doing that practice? Or have you just got better at doing those quick reframes? I think I go quicker to the kind of more positive talk. Trust me, I still kind of have the negative thoughts and feelings, especially, you know, when you talk about parenthood, the guilt and the questioning, it's just as constant as any other parent. But I hope I'm good at being able to kind of turn that around quickly. And it's something that I'm definitely trying to impart on my children. And occasionally I notice it. I um, noticed the kit who's two, he was climbing a tree the other day and I heard him saying to himself, yes, Kit, big, strong. And I was like, oh my God, he's doing self-talk. And it's really sweet that I can see he's telling himself he can do it and he's big and strong. And it was just amazing because actually it's a real reminder that the way I talk to myself and about myself will reflect on them. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what you just shared is so helpful to me. And I know it's going to be helpful to everyone because it's so easy to look at people like you who are achieving these incredible things and think that they have a different mind somehow to us, I guess, non-Olympians. And I think it's just so inspiring for people to hear, no, we all have that same doubt. We all have that same negative self-talk. You mentioned guilt and I really wanted to ask you about that because I know when I first started going back to work, when my little one would have been, she was sort of two, two and a half months just before the pandemic, I felt a lot of guilt about being away from her. I also felt a lot of passion to be drawn towards the work that I do with Motherkind. And I'm wondering, did you experience that guilt and how did you reframe that for yourself? Hugely. I think it was a balancing act that I didn't see coming because like I say, when I first started, I was just thinking day by day and I was essentially at home all the time and seeing them all the time. And I hadn't thought forward to, okay, when you make it onto the team, you're going to have a few months where you'll be going into training for a few hours a day and essentially will all being well, get on a plane and leave the country to take you. And I hadn't believed I was going to be able to do it. So I hadn't thought of logistics. And so when the time came and I got on the plane, I felt really guilty. But one of the team doctors, actually, she's Anne Redgrave. She's Steve Redgrave's wife. And they had young children while Steve was rowing. And she sat me down. She said, Helen, whenever we went away, the kids had the time of their lives. They went to their grandparents. They had special memory making moments. And we came back and they never really realized we were gone. It was really important for me to hear somebody who'd gone through it tell me that and to know that actually it was fine. It was me that was going to be feeling guilty. It was me that was going to be feeling bad. And actually, they didn't miss me as much as I maybe expected them to, which is really nice. And it was refreshing. But yeah, it was hard. But they were with their dad, you know, they were Steve. And so, you know, actually, it was a really special time for them as well. I asked my six-year-old the other day about some of her favorite memories of her life so far. And a lot of them were with other people than me. And I was like, this is so incredible because here's me, you know, at work feeling guilty. And there's you making these amazing core memories with your grandparents and other caregivers that we've had throughout the years. And I think it's just so important for us to remember 
And, you know, the story, I imagine that your children will be telling the story of what you did when they were young for the rest of their lives, which gives me goosebumps, you know, when you think about the inspiration that you must have provided for them and so many others. I love the fact that so much of my career was done before them and that actually I managed to kind of rekindle it with them. And they weren't just there. They weren't just, you know, happening to be around. They were standing at the side of the row machine and watching me and being there. So I think, yeah, it does make it extra special. And I'm wondering, clearly, as you just said, you had this hugely successful career. And I remember watching you in London and just sobbing with the emotion of you getting that first goal. It makes me feel emotional now. It's just incredible. I'm wondering what insights have you had from sport and your Olympian career that you've applied to parenting and the other way around? What has parenting taught you about sport or maybe how you're different as a sports person? I didn't start rowing till I was 21. So I've almost straddled both sides of the divide. I've lived plenty of life, not as an elite athlete, and then learned a lot of lessons since becoming an Olympian. I do remember being, you know, in my early 20s and thinking of these Olympians as people who are different, different breeds, different things, don't think like me or act like me. It took becoming one to realize that's just totally not true. You have weekdays, you have hard days, you have incredibly down moments. It just so happens we're in a career where our life is focused towards this particular goal. And the things I learned from being an Olympian that helped me being a mom, I guess it's just the amazing things that the human body is capable of. You can keep going, you can just soldier on, and sometimes you have to. The self-talk that we've spoken about, I think, Thinking of yourself in positive terms is really important as a mum because nothing can prepare you for it. Nothing can prepare you for motherhood. No matter how many books you read, no matter how prepared you feel, your child will be unique and individual. You don't know how you are going to be as a mum. And I think that's really exciting. And rather than seeing that as a negative, challenging point, I think it's the most exciting part about motherhood is who knows what the next day is going to come. And it can also be the most daunting part of motherhood as well. I think the thing that motherhood taught me about sport was, it's going to sound really odd, but it's insignificance. When I was rowing, rowing was the most important thing. I felt like it defined me. Now I'm a mum. I don't want so much to be defined by rowing anymore. The the results don't matter. They're great and they're lovely and they're, they're an amazing thing to have done, but they don't matter as much of course, as my children do and as much as their happiness does. And the perspective shift motherhood gives you is just something I never saw hitting me. I totally agree. So if you don't want to be defined by rowing, how do you want to be defined? What's important to you today? That's a really good question. I think things like being an advocate for women, for mums, for mums in sport, but also just in anything that they feel they want to do. And also I feel like I was given so much support by the parenting community, not just mums, but dads as well, the parenting community when I came back into rowing that I feel like, okay, how can I pay that back? And something that I love to do is look at the ways of getting outdoors, not just in sport, but getting active and using the outside, using nature with my little ones. Especially when we went into lockdown, I realized I was scratching around for ideas after after about a couple of weeks and so something that I love to do is try to make sure that through what I'm showing on social media and what I'm doing and actively you know living by with my life is getting kids outside and helping parents as much as they can and I feel like there's a little bit of me that wants to give back because I see in children what they gain from being outside and outdoors. It's so beautiful to hear you say that you know what can I 
give back? How can I be of service? What are your values? And do you have sort of defined family values? Have you and Steve talked about it? Or are these things that you're just living as a family? Oh, that's such a good question. It really makes you think, doesn't it? I think we haven't really sat down and spoken about it. We're lucky that Steve and I are aligned on pretty much everything. I think we're kind of brought up in similar ways. And I guess our family values would be the nature and the outdoors is where we want to spend a lot of our time and live a lot of our lives and respect and appreciate everything we have around us. I think Steve and I are very relaxed as parents. We want them to be happy, to be cared for and loved. Other than that, you know, they'll find their own path. I think we're pretty relaxed in our style of parenting. And I think that that's probably been my answer into not getting too stressed, especially with having, you know, Logan was only 17 months old when the twins came along. And so just being quite relaxed and never expecting a day to go perfectly just meant that at the end of the day, you can list all the things that went wrong. But if you're as prepared as you can be, it was not too bad. What are some of the things that do stress you out? For me, I don't know if you find this, like we love going on the outdoors as well. And we've just moved to Dorset so we can be closer to the beach. But I often feel like by the time I've bundled everyone in the car, if we're driving a bit further and, you know, I've packed the snacks, I feel like I've done the day out before I've even started the day out. That's like one of my <laughs> stress points. Are there any things like that that stress you out every time and you're just like, oh, what still frustrates you? Oh, definitely. Getting out the door is just, I have one at the door fully dressed and ready and I literally turn around to get the other one and pick them up. I turn back and the other one is naked. You know, it's like that quick. <laughs> and so just... Yeah, the amount of times you're finding lost shoes and putting things back on that's their fifth time. Most of the time, I've just resorted to putting them in the car with whatever they're in. And then when we get there, I'll dress them. It's just the constant wardrobe changes as you're walking out the door. That's probably the most stressful part for us. (laughs) Is there anything else that you're still working on, would you say, in your role as a mother? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like we've gone through the baby phase reluctantly now the twins are two I'm definitely clinging on to it and probably treating them like I like to cradle them like little babies and things but I think now going into that toddler preschool stage I am just learning it all as I go Logan will be starting school in September and I don't know anything about that I don't know how to prepare him I don't know how to make sure he's ready socially emotionally and I guess also because They've spent a lot of time in lockdown. Those social emotional connections, I'm really intrigued to see how he develops. And so, yeah, those are things I'm working on. Like, okay, I've been a mum to babies and I've clung on to that for as long as I can. How do I be a mum to little people who are finding their way much more? They're about to step out really into the community properly for the first time when they go to school. And um, I'm just working out what I need to be for them then. And what's your approach to that? Because I imagine in your sporting career you would go away and get coaches experts I imagine you reading a lot I imagine you being someone who absorbs information and tests things out and iterates and experiments how do you approach that you know will you be reading books or will you just be learning as you go it's really funny because I think I'm really different as a mum actually in anything in life I'm very different as I was when I was an athlete like I said, I was 21 when I started rowing and I became somebody unrecognizable almost overnight. You know, I was very relaxed, very messy, very disorganized. And in my rowing life, I had this kind of condensed 12 years where I was super focused, organized. I researched, I watched videos. 
And now I've stepped back away from rowing. I kind of gone back into the, like the old disorganized messy, which works for us. It kind of makes for a lot of fun as a family. And it, yeah, I, I take each day as like as it comes. Like my research is probably done on Google, which isn't always the best. But things like this, listening to podcasts like yours, genuinely gives an insight because you get to actually listen and speak to people who know who can tell you and I think it's really important to kind of get the right information sources so I've stopped the midnight googling that I used to do almost every night and try to kind of find the right sources that's a good idea google is it's like the wild west isn't it and it's always contradictory it's always the extreme views you never get anyone in the middle going well it's probably going to be fine it's always like they're going to die or it's just horrific I think the point that you made there is absolutely fascinating about how different we can be in different areas of our lives. I didn't know that about you, that you started rowing at 21. And I find that so inspiring because, you know, when I look at you, I'm really seeing someone who's demonstrating that you can really become and access those qualities in that environment if you want it enough. And I find that so inspiring because we tend to have this idea, don't we, that we're either like that or we're not. Yeah, totally. And when, so it was like um, a talent ID scheme. They're looking for tall people who'd been kind of successful in different areas and different sports, but who could go into rowing. And I've been through uni and I remember a lot of my kind of people that I knew at uni hadn't actually known that I'd started rowing because I just left university and it was four years before London that I started rowing. And so the, the next time they saw me, I was sat at a start line at the Olympic Games. They were like, what? She's the girl who used to go out and party and then like forget her, you know, her pens and her folders for lectures. How has she done this? And I think you're so right. You can find different versions of yourselves for so many different parts of your life. And I think, I think that's really exciting and intriguing and you never know what you're capable of. And part of it is finding a passion. Part of it is making that passion work for you and your lifestyle. But it's really exciting. And I think it can feel overwhelming, but I think the, the key is to let it let it be intriguing and taking it small chunks, small moments at a time and having absolutely no issue with it not working. When I started rowing, I told myself I would rather try than in 2012 sit on the sofa thinking, what if I just given it a go? I just find it so inspiring. What dreams have you still got left in you what other versions of you are you going to unleash into the world (laughs) I'm not sure I think that you know we were saying earlier about what you can give back and for me giving back as a mum does mean a lot for me so I'm definitely intrigued into looking into areas of what I can do in that and also in the women's and sports sphere I think that's a really great place to give back it has given me so much in my life but yeah I'm not sure I feel like there's definitely kind of energy that I want to direct into things. But at the moment, I'm really enjoying being a mum and kind of using this time, especially before they all go into school, using this time as much as possible with the kids. Have you got a secret crazy dream? Most people have one. It might be something really small. Like for me, it would be to go to the Oscars. You know, like something small, it's just like a dream. Have you got something like that? My husband, Steve, and I have lots of expedition dreams that we have. We've got basically this massive list of expeditions we'd want to do together. I actually think we will do them one day. It's the kind of thing we will do, but it's kind of jungles and kayaking trips and 
desert adventures and things like that that we would love to do one day and um, whether we have the kids with us for some of them or not I don't know but um, yeah we've got a list of adventures we'd love to do. I think it's so important to have those dreams even if you know one of mine another one is to go on a ranch holiday and ride horses and I I think they're tiny things really compared to the huge expanse of life but I see so many mums forgetting about those dreams for themselves and I think it's so important as mums to write them down to have them even if they're pipe dreams just to have them written down. The thing I always say about me is that if I get some exercise done in the day I am the best version of myself as a mum I'm always better as a mum when I've done some exercise and so it's like if you achieve small dreams if you achieve small goals through the day or through the week or the month or you achieve the thing that year that you just hope to do I just think it makes you a better mum makes you a happier person it's fulfilling something for yourself that makes you a best version of yourself you can be Exactly. And when do you fit that in? I know lots of people will want me to ask you that. When are you fitting in the exercise? Because I think lots of mums find it hard to do it in the evening because we're knackered. Mornings, I don't know about in your house, but in my house, that's like crazy time. If I was going to get up before the kids, it would be like 3.30am or something. So I'm not going to do that. (laughs) When do you fit it in? And what advice have you got for someone who's thinking, right, I'm inspired by Helen. I want to start doing five minutes movement a day or something. Where does someone start? Oh, that's such a good question. And the answer is it looks different for everybody and it probably looks different every day as well. When I was training full time, it was very different because it was my career, but I would train during nap times or if my husband was around, he would take them all out to go for a walk. You know, we were in lockdown, but I would train at set times when they were either sleeping or out with Steve. Now I'm in kind of much more of a kind of normal life kind of situation. I... I'm very flexible. If I've got the twins with me and not if and Logan's at nursery, I'll go for a run with the buggy. If you can find a gym that has a crash, some look actually quite a few gyms do have a crash where you can put them in for an hour. A gym with a crash is amazing if you can find that. But if you're at home and you want to do some exercise and there's just no getting around it, the kids are everywhere, I would say do something like a circuit they can either join in or not you start your clock whether it's five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes you're doing burpees sit-ups do not worry if they climb on you do not worry if they crawl on you have fun with them if they join in and you're just moving movement getting the blood going is something that's just makes you feel so good but i think being really kind to yourself if you don't finish the whole session you meant to try don't worry if it's five minutes 10 minutes rather than the half an hour you wanted to do don't worry and I think don't let the guilt of, I think sometimes you tell yourself, I'll save it till they've gone to bed. That is so hard. Even when I was full-time training and I told myself I'll do the session before, even when it was my job, I put them to bed. I'm probably not going to exercise. <laughs> you know, it's so hard. So don't feel guilty about that. If you don't get it done that day, you just try again tomorrow. The amount of times that I've thought, right, I'm going to power through my emails tonight because they're always on top of me. They're always out of control. I'm going to put the kids down. I'm going to do my emails. I never, ever, ever, I'm good for nothing, basically. Like an hour on the sofa and then I'm straight to bed. I'm wondering, because you talked about nap times, lots of people will use that nap time to do things like washing, chores, keeping on top of all the invisible, emotional, mental load, labor that goes into being a mother. Did you de- prioritize 
things like that when you were going through the training? Because I'm so inspired by J.K. Rowling, who said when she was writing Harry Potter, she basically lived in a pigsty. She did no housework for three years, which is how she did it. And I'm wondering, what did you let go of in order to achieve that goal? And what do you still let go of in order to do the things that you really want to do? I think I'm used to having to prioritize things that aren't that easy. So when I was training, I didn't see friends. I missed weddings. I didn't see family. I missed funerals. I missed everything. And so I think I'm kind of maybe used to having other things that are happening above those things. So I guess exercise, absolutely, I would say I deprioritize my husband will agree, deprioritize the housework. But that that definitely comes comes a distant like six, seven, eight of everything that's going on. On days where I know I'm going to try and fit in some exercise, I do make more of an effort to clean things up as I go, you know, to make breakfast and not leave it stacked up. I try to just be a bit more proactive about those things so that when the time comes where I'm going to exercise, I don't use it for all those things. But other than that, yeah, definitely being being more relaxed about whether things are put away, being more relaxed about whether other things are perfect is probably the only way because it is impossible to do everything I think (laughs) it's so interesting for me to hear you say that about the sacrifice because I think we look at these people like you who achieve these incredible things it's easy to forget those incredibly challenging trade-offs that you would have had to have made and I think that's true if you want to do anything however sort of small it is really you know, even with me, with doing this role today, there's trade-offs and there's sacrifices. And I think it's important to remember that, isn't it? And stand behind that decision. At any point, did you waver in that decision and think, oh my gosh, I just, I can't do this. I can't make this sacrifice or I'm not willing to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even when I first started rowing and I was in my twenties, I had moments where I thought, I can't do this. So I'm about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, but I'm short for a rower. All the other girls were kind of well over six foot. And I was constantly told, you know, you're too small. You've only got four years to become an Olympian. It's just not possible. And it, I was hearing a lot of negativity, not only from other people, but from myself, you know, thinking I can't do this. And so, so many times I thought about quitting, but it always came back to, you'll never know if you didn't try. And then that was almost echoed again when I made the comeback after having the babies. There were so many things, you know, logistically, factually telling me I shouldn't be able to do this. And then I just came back to you. You'll never know if you don't just carry on trying. It is so inspiring that just resolve to keep trying. And you're such a testament to what's possible. And I've got to ask you, two-time gold Olympian, what's harder, Olympics or parenting? Definitely parenting. I mean, parenting is more important for one. So therefore there's pressure. You know, the pressure that you feel sitting on the start line at Olympic Games, there's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. The next seven minutes is going to determine the rest of your life, whether you make one mistake or not. It's going to determine the rest of your life, whether you succeed or not. But in parenting, but at least when you're racing, you know what you have to do. You know, you have to race this hard at this point and with this technique. With parenting... It's just you and you don't have coaches and you don't have a team. You don't have a nutritionist. It's just you and you're trying to do right by a human who's going to grow up in this world. And it's up to you to do what you can. And so it's far more intimidating, I think, being a parent. So in some way, we're all Olympians, all of us parents. (laughs) 
<laughs> and tell us a bit about the super mum adventures that you're doing at the moment because I've been following along and I find them so brilliantly helpful for just loads of ideas for what we can do to get outdoors tell us about that so I'm working with Cotswold Outdoor and it's been really fun because it's kind of merged my passions about getting outside and active and how you can do that with kids and definitely in lockdown after a week or two probably I started to kind of run out of ideas of what I can do with the children and every time I had an idea of what we should do with the kids I would just write it on the notes on my iPhone by the end of lockdown I had this massive list of ideas and I thought what if I could start sharing this and so with Cotswold Outdoor we put together a little series where it's kind of, a, I think, five videos, six videos where I'm just showing parents just a simple idea of how to get outdoors. And you know, there's a competition running alongside where you can show me what you've been up to, show me your version of whether it's a den or a bug hotel or your hike or your treasure hunt. And if you tag me in, you'll win some vouchers from Cotswold Outdoors. So it's a really nice way to kind of engage some families. And just, I think when people are getting a little bit of fatigue, ideas fatigue <laughs> of what to do, then hopefully it'd be a nice way to get some ideas of getting outdoors. What's been the most popular idea? People have loved the bug hotels. Children love insects, holding things in their hands and having that really tactile moment where you're actually making a little house for them and things like that. So the bug hotel has been really good. And it doesn't matter what your space is, whether you're doing it on a windowsill, a garden, a patio, a shed, you know, you can do it wherever you are, really. So it's really nice. Yeah, we're lucky. We have a tiny little sort of wooded area at the back of our garden. So we're always in there looking for bugs. And I'm I'm sometimes slightly worried what we're going to find, but so far, so good. (laughs) And I always ask the same question at the end, which I cannot wait to hear your answer to, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? I would love every mother to feel there is nothing blocking your pathway for something you want to do. There is no obstacle in your way if you want to do something because there truly isn't. I just want to extend, I guess, my thanks to all the parents out there who have been massively supportive. I felt like part of a team in the community. And I want to say to you, whatever your equivalent goal or dream is, don't tell yourself it's small, it's important and there's nothing blocking you doing it. That's so powerful. It's so powerful to hear. And thank you for being such an inspiration for me and, you know, millions and millions of parents. It's been an absolute joy to connect. And I know people are going to take so much from your words. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's lovely to chat to you. Hey, just a quick one from me. If you love the podcast, if you love what we talk about here, then you might also love my group coaching. It's where I work directly with you and nine other mothers from our amazing Motherkind community for eight weeks to help you feel more aligned, calm and empowered in any area of your life. It's so powerful. We start on Wednesday, the 11th of May at 9.30. I would love you to be part of it. Just head to motherkind.co for more info.